0: I was like trying to <clears throat> trying to dovetail in a Happy Gilmore or a, was it Happy Gilmore? Yeah, it's no, no. Gilmore. It was a um, Billy Madison quote. Yeah, so just right. ignore it. It's whatever, it's fine. No, no, John, explain it for us. That's nope. Good. Yeah, I don't understand. Cool. That's good. You should watch the movie um, Billy Madison. Nope. That's fine too.
1: Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the hosts joining me this evening are Thomas Votal, Troy Sandlin, and John Christian. Lolly Ho. That's Howdy. it. I like it. I like and it. Then yeah, silence yeah. from everyone else. Success. Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. All
0: right. What are we? Are clicks. we on? Are we on? <laughs> what? Uh,
1: it's been. I didn't give my countdown timer. This is this is what happens anytime you take a day off, and right. we took sun, our our Sunday off. Y- you come back and it, it takes a little while to get into whatever groove we had before. Okay, we had um, what's going to
2: happen when we go back to Ascension? Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be an hour of us just staring at each other with no words.
3: Yeah, yeah the the you know we we the intro the intro is pretty rough for the first two. <laughs> that's right. Years or so. Years or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Well, it, it kind of threw me off. It threw me off because you know we're actually starting the actual podcast five minutes right. into the actual. It's, going it's amazing so it's kind of like yeah, oh my goodness we're actually doing the thing
1: yeah i was listening to a conan uh po- podcast this week and they were talking about how it took them their f- whole first season <laughs> to figure out really what even a podcast was supposed to do and then they i'm like yeah I, I, someday we'll get there like that's the dream <laughs> right <laughs> that's the goal
0: <laughs>
3: but we'll yeah. work
1: on making it good let's just figure out what it is
3: uh, yeah. Zach, I would like to I would like to know what that podcast is later on because I'll add it to my master. I'll tell you.
1: Uh, I listened to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Oh. That's the name of the podcast. I thought yeah. you meant like a. Conan the Destroyer. Uh, Robert E. Howard.
0: No. Uh, <laughs> no oh my God, no. there's a Conan uh That's show. Why? sign me up.
1: No, the I don't talk need, show host. I don't Mr. need anything O'Brien.
2: to add to my podcast list. No. It's there's... not about need.
1: Right. Yeah. You might have to remove something. Mm-hmm. To, I'm gonna have to remove to... a
2: lot of things. Like I, at this
1: point I already fell uh, behind at every single turn.
3: Can Girk not hear us? Girk says silence?
1: No, he was commenting on the silence that played out there for a few beats. <laughs> oh, is the sound, <laughs> the un- the sound? The uncomfortable
0: silence. silence after John <laughs> dorked out Lolly Ho as usual.
1: I believe like, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's
2: it's like the time that I just pretended that I was, wasn't was wearing a Where's Waldo costume on our stream. And yes. then um, it's just like that. I'll just pretend like I'm, I'm mute. That's right. It
1: makes for a great podcast. It does. Yeah. Uh, so Critic- uh, Killaloth is bringing up a good point, which will kind of get us started in this episode. Uh, we, we had some ideas about streaming... A commentary track, kind of MST 3K style of the first uh, Critical Role episode. Uh, and we, we, we thought better of that for a couple of reasons. And I think we made the right choice. I don't think that it was prime content that you missed out on. Mm-hmm. Um, no. may, you know, whatever your feelings of Critical Role are, what we did watching Critical Role was even worse content. By a, by a country mile, because it was basically like 20 minutes of sitting, listening, listening, and then like every 15, 20 minutes, be like, okay, pause. Let's talk about that for five yep. minutes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's yep. keep going. So you didn't miss.
3: You missed nothing.
1: You missed nothing. And we saved most of it for tonight, actually, because uh, we thought, A, it'd be better to just like collect thoughts and deposit them into an episode and kind of process maybe how why we think some of the things that we thought some questions that we had and we thought that we'd bring along thomas for this ride uh so that we have like the whole array of critical role fandom uh we have like go ahead tom i would like to before
2: we get officially started yes i would like to ask people before they started season three on a scale of 1 to 10 how they felt about critical role and then after their opinion at the end.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let's do this real so quick before we, doesn't, dive in. we I don't yeah. want
2: I don't want I just don't want to get started on the topic before we. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was a great way to sort of
1: That's an absolutely. That's a great idea. Um so let's let's start with this though before we dive in. Is there any news that any of you feel like we need to cover real quick in the world of gaming? Not not crowd thunder's uh, but other stuff in general.
3: Uh, there is a new D&D survey out.
1: There you go.
0: Um,
3: and hi-ho. it takes you about 25 minutes to do. That's awesome. not
0: surprising. Uh,
3: yeah. and it's very in-depth, and it talks about uh, your history with D&D. It also asks about your favorite settings mm-hmm. of D&D. Um, goes into detail about those, um, things like that. So... If, if you're really itching for, you know, Mistara to come back or the known or hollow world or something like that, now's your chance to get on that survey and talk about it uh, or, or forever let your voices be silenced kind of thing. Mm. Um, I had to retake it because somehow as I'm buzzing through on my phone, I don't know what I hit, but I shut shut the window out. Mm. you can't you can stop it and come back to it if you do the save and save to restart later but uh-huh. my uh my dwarf fingers uh hit something on the screen and closed the whole thing out so i had it. It was like sausage awesome. links yeah it's like <laughs> ding. that was about <laughs> like 15 minutes in the best part is you're going to try to start
2: it up again and they're gonna be like we've already gotten your 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 <laughs> feedback we we know that you hate everything about D and D, and you're just like, ah, no, that's not what I wanted to say.
1: Uh, welcome, <laughs> to Master Dungeons. and Craig. Yes. Uh,
3: thanks, Craig. It is it is a sad state of affairs, indeed. A stream talking about
1: a stream. Uh, now, Mitch, uh, you you mentioned Dark Sun, and I'll, I'll comment that there was a pang of like. Sadness that rippled through me. I think Dark Sun had its thirtieth anniversary this year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It, and I think it just kind of, kind of passed through the news uh, uh, last week. And you know, I, I was like, you know, I kind of wonder if we weren't at one point intended to have Dark Sun this year, and it got pushed back. Mm-hmm. It's not uh,
0: coming. So it, went, it went with a whimper. It definitely feels yeah. like it. That that anniversary. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: It's. Do you guys really think
0: it's going to happen? I don't think it will, personally. No. Uh, if they do it, I think it'll be. I don't, um, know. I don't think it's going to be as detailed as people probably want it. It may not be in a book. It may be like a multiverse book, where they've, they have like smatterings of stuff, like multiple settings in one book. That'll do kind of like a quick recap. Like here's the when last we met in Athas, kind of mm-hmm. thing. They're keeping, they're poking it with a stick and telling it to stay away. Oh yeah. Well, That's I mean, you kind of see that. I, I would not be surprised at this point with, that they do that with Dragonlance, with you know Fisman's Treasury of Dragons. Like they're here's a little I'm bit. That's eh, good enough. And then the three books it's that are not come what's out happen. Do you think yeah. they're actually going to do a full setting? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Oh well, yeah. Since since we're talking about Dragonlance, I uh, have a little something. I was a. I was working on costumes this weekend. I posted in chat the Halloween costume that I that I wore for part of this weekend. <laughs> if you guys see that, uh, <laughs> I, I love
0: that? the litera-
2: I love the literature so much that I had to be a dragon rider.
0: Excellent! Riding right. say- sky, that's fantastic. Not, That's no
2: oh, oh, I'm sorry. If you guys thought oh. I was still talking, I was just my segue. I'm not actually Dragonlance. I like Aragorn a lot, so I picked. Oh,
1: okay. That's cool. That's cool, too. I like that. The Superior Dragon series, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, the other you know, piece of news that I had, and it's not really news, it's more of a commentary, is I think I read or saw five articles this week that blatantly and you know there's an element that is always going to be clickbait but there's also an element that I think we just adopt into our like our vernacular and I saw five articles that either said blah 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 5.5e or blah 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 6th edition and it wasn't talking about like you know there's a 6th edition It's like Oh, this component was talked about that may relate to 6th edition. Or here's the thing that was, you know, that we are ho- we're looking forward to in 5.5 in, you know. It was this is part of our everyday language now is that mm-hmm. we are gearing up for a 5.5 or a 6e? Well, it's and triggering um, for a lot of people, I think it's more clickbait than anything else. Well, that's what I'm saying this. like there there is a clickbait and there was a lot of that few weeks ago. But I think now, like, I think it's almost gotten pa- like my read is that it's got past the point of clickbait and it's settled into just like a chunk of the population has just accepted that we're not going to pretend that it's anything that it's not. It's going to be another edition in some element. So we're not going to mm. call it 5e plus. We're going to call it 5.5 or we're going to call it 6. And we're waiting to determine which one we settle on until we see what it looks like. Hmm. Um, but anyhow, it's just really interesting that we that that language has persisted and probably will persist and probably will grow stronger over the next two years. And at that point, why not, right? If you are, if everybody's already saying it's 5.5, even if you release a 5e e plus, it,
3: it's still
1: 5.5. It's still 5.5. It's, it's going
3: gonna, it's gonna to be D and D more next. <laughs> more next. next
1: more year. next. Next Next. Next.
0: Yeah. The
1: nextiest. <clears throat> Anything else we need to talk about in the news? Getting a lot uh, of head shakes.
3: Uh, Mitch, Mitch says that uh, the, new ta- the new service rewards doc came out for AL, which hasn't... Uh, I haven't seen that yet. But
1: ooh, That's interesting. Alright, well I'm sure you can find that on the Adventures League website. Which I believe is D- Adventures D- Evolution Extreme. <laughs> that's right. uh, well hey, then let's dive in. Um, to our main topic today, we got plenty of time to discuss it. Today, we're going to talk about Critical Role episode one, and look, we're we're not. This is this is a one t- once in a lifetime experience. Um, this is this is not going to be a regular segment or a regular episode in our feed. Yeah, I, w- um, I
3: wouldn't even call it an experience. Yeah. It's just it's just the things happening
1: yeah yeah um, but we did all sit down and watch a chunk of it Thomas is uh, watched the whole thing uh, Troy or John did either of you end up uh, finishing it out yep I did yeah I made it about a, ha- a little over halfway through uh, little, a okay. little over I'm past the combat and, and a little bit further than
0: that okay I've, uh, I've watched it actually t- I've, I've watched it once and listened to it once so
2: oh because like, I had it, right. I had headphones in when I was at work today mostly right. just because I was doing this show if I wasn't doing the show tonight I wouldn't have.
0: Mm. I, so I, love that, I love that Thomas is a wonderful guest and does better homework than we do and we're the ones that are supposed to be hosting <laughs> well that's the whole point of getting guests in right? <laughs> oh that you do the heavy lift for us? Yeah. cool let's yeah, do that more often
2: that's how That's how that should work right? Like isn't that how? Yeah. The
0: that's part of D&D figuring out podcasts beyond. yeah that's wow. the, oh, damn. oh that's the thing cool excellent well that yeah. took us two years it's like you well, know being somebody good in write business that down. Yeah.
3: it's like being yeah. good in business it doesn't matter if you're You know, if you're smart enough to run the business, you just have to surround yourself with people smarter than you to do the stuff for you.
0: Oh, see, Mm.
1: that's... I've heard that one before.
3: Yeah, so that's why we got Thomas come on.
1: Yes. Mm. Uh, We've got uh, uh, Mr. David and Mr. Joe in chat now as well. It is a full chat tonight, which we love. Um, So, okay, we're going to do the thing that Thomas asked for, which I think is a great idea. We're going to talk about... uh, where we were in relation to Critical Role pre-walking into it. This will help you get a context because if one of us says we absolutely adore it and we walked in cold, that's a big indicator, right? Um, and if somebody says they hated it and they've watched every episode of every season so far, that's also a big indicator. So, uh, Thomas, since it was your suggestion, let's start with you. Um, I would say that I,
2: I now, to get just a hair backstory, I've... I have consumed all of both seasons and all of the one shots and I've watched some of their other stuff as well, but I have watched all of both seasons and I've listened to as background noise when I was painting and stuff like that. Season one, about another 50% of the way through. So I was, I was a not I'm not a die-hard, it's not the reason I play D&D, but I am probably a, an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10.
3: Mm.
2: EXU, okay. actually, Exandria United, is, uh David's asking, is the only thing I did not consume so far because the summer's been so crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is kind of their thing that's set in the same universe, but was like a mini-campaign ran by a different DM. Yeah, right. Which ties in very directly into the story, though. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Here, so. Seems like that's a lead-in, so. yeah uh troy and clockwise on my screen let's uh let's talk to you next
3: okay i have consumed all of season one or all of campaign one all of campaign two um mostly in podcast form but some so watching some episodes um i have also watched uh or listened to the uh the deadwood uh mini series thing. I have watched some of EXU. Um I think I've I've watched some of the one shots. I also watched the uh the Grey Hands or whatever. Oh, mm, force yes. Force Grey that, that yeah that uh, Matt Mercer did. Um things like that. So yeah I haven't watched all the one shots yet. I haven't finished EXU uh I don't know where on a scale of one to ten I'd put myself on, on a fan. I consider it the same way. I I'm a fan of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There are parts of Star Wars that I just absolutely love, but I can sit and bitch about it all day long.
1: Mm-hmm. What is your what is your what is your out of ten on the fandom scale? Where would you rank yourself?
3: I'd say probably. Probably about a six and a half, seven.
1: Six and a half, seven. All right, for, great. So for me, we're, we're, I would I would miss critical
2: role if it was gone, but it wouldn't stop me from anything I do on a regular basis. It right. wouldn't stop me from playing D anD D or changing how I play or or any of the above.
3: I definitely look forward to it.
2: Yeah, um, and yeah, what I do with my wife is a non D anD D has never played D anD D or a role playing game in her life. She's watched every episode of season two.
1: Cool. Alright. Uh, John, you're next. Uh, I have
0: not, before this, I'd never seen a complete episode ever of Critical Role. I'd seen bits and pieces. I think I'd seen a couple of clips here and there. Um, uh, the most that I'd probably seen in total was maybe 30 minutes of, uh, mm-hmm. of media consumed here and there. Um, despite the I, uh, a reputation I may have of not liking Critical Role. I just I'm pr- like if I had to be honest about it, I'm really more indifferent than anything else, and I just don't, I don't, I didn't get it. it was mm-hmm. my big thing because uh, the closest thing that I've come to watching or listening to anyone play D anD D for three to four hours was um was the PAX events uh, with mm-hmm. um, with Acquisitions Incorporated, and that yeah. was to me was a little bit different that it was. um the, the personalities were the funniest. Part, were the, the best part about it? It Was just really funny, and it was mm-hmm. meant to be silly kind of thing. And not it's a that, comedy but, show. Uh, yeah, it's know. a comedy show, and so and it was, it, it, I it was took a it crowd as
3: participation such. too.
0: Yeah, and I just I'd like I'd I even watched like Harmon Quest you know, with some of Dan mm-hmm. Harman's stuff there, which was pretty cool. I just for for whatever, whatever reason I just couldn't sit down and try Critical Role. It just wasn't they didn't do it for yeah. me, and maybe it was like the I don't know. I'm not really entirely, entirely sure why. I resisted for so long because I did straight up I resisted it I just wasn't interested at all until I got mm-hmm. to the point where I was like I think we've said it before I wanted to figure it out what it was I was missing out on if there was something that I was mm-hmm. missing out because for all I know this could be like the the best thing since cheese whiz and I, the last thing I want to do is turn my nose up to
1: it and be out of the, the loop with the community and the things that they love so I are gonna give it there a go. try Cool. I yeah. I would say that um, on my end, I approached like the D and D stream pretty early with a lot of the. I remember listening to Inc. podcasts back when they were doing four e right? Um, yep. And they yep. they were on uh, they were on Dark Sun, right? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I I loved and devoured and devoured Ac-Ink for a long time, and that was my show for a long time, and that's why I didn't approach critical role uh, early on. Um, But at this point, I've seen uh, the Force Grey bits. Um, I've seen uh, about 160 or listened to about 160 episodes of season two. Um, A couple episodes from season one, bounced off season one pretty hard. Um, A few other one-shots and Deadwood and... um, so I, I I would say um, John we didn't we didn't give you a, an opportunity to do a grade I would put myself mm-hmm. at like maybe like a a four and a half five somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I'm like a bef- beforehand uh,
0: the the only reason why I'm this low is not because of any animosity but rather just again indifference I'm like a two or a three yeah like it's just something that's on the periphery that people are talking about yeah. I don't I just don't I couldn't devote four hours. Watching people play D anD D, when I would just assume either play it or, or run it. Right. It's the same reason yeah. why, like I was in football and sports in high school, and in middle school, but I couldn't care less about watching any sport now. It's just like watching paint dry for me because I just I would rather be involved in it in some right. capacity mm-hmm. instead. That's mm-hmm. that's crazy
2: because I every week I sit at the Browns game and I hate myself for it and I go home and I've ruined my entire day. And I played football
0: for twelve years. Then everybody uh, Yeah, and I, I and that I've got other buddies of mine that are like that where they just like they watch the crap out of sports, they're really into it, and I just like I really enjoyed it while I did it. I just can't watch somebody else do it. It's just boring to me.
3: Well, I mean that that kinda harkens back to Thomas's uh sadomasochistic tendencies to himself. <laughs> It's Fair enough. Loather.
2: At this point, at this point, we were supposed to be good, and I'm still going, and we're bad. So I
1: can't, uh, I can't disagree. I said uh, so as a point of clarity. Uh, Bear Droid is asking how many episodes. Um, I think I said 160. I uh, I think I overshot that by a bit. Um, the first campaign is 115 nice. episodes. The second campaign is 141, and I made it to uh, episode 118. Um, and then there are thirty-nine one-shots, and uh, eight episodes on Alexandria Unlimited, and then two episodes of the current season. So Holy you're mold. probably talking 250, ep, three hundred episodes, probably averaging somewhere around about four hours. Four hours. Yeah. So you're talking twelve hundred hours of content. Yeah. yeah t- that's the, uh,
3: something there. to fill your I, rainy day.
1: I agree yeah. with you though, John as somebody
2: who can look at it um, objectively, I can't sit, I am, I am too busy. I would never ever have any feeling of wanting to watch Critical Role if I had to sit in front of a TV yeah, every nope. episode for four hours. Mm-hmm. I've worked two jobs or three jobs since I started watching Critical Role that have been lock yourself in a room or lock yourself, I, I'd start, or like when I was painting, I was headphones in for 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I can't run or play D&D during those times, so I put on something that I enjoy, whether it's this podcast or a book on tape or a critical role or anything else, and that is how I really enjoyed them because I could, 500 hours doesn't feel like that many hours when you're working 50, 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. and you are, you are just, you have nothing else to do and you you might as well listen to something or put because I'm not going to watch it on TV. Right, and, and I was-
0: totally get that. And I, I, I think Troy had mentioned before that he listened more than he ever viewed. Oh yeah, and I can totally get that. I think for me though, again, it's I listened. I'll listen to audio books, and so that's one of the other things too. I've already have a, a some kind of media that I consume, an audio form of media that I listen to on a regular basis. That it was like, it took. It was the precedent, right? So I I never. Well, I'm not going to replace something that I'm not really sure about, or that I'm not really, I'm not really. Thinking, to. I don't think I'm really going to get into it at all with all of the stuff that I've been consumed through audiobooks. So, because yeah. I'm, I'm like David, I used to drive a lot uh, back and forth, about three hours total per day, an hour and a half one way and an hour and a half back from work through traffic, and so I read, listened to, read, listened to a lot of books that way. And just critical role just never got into, spun into the into exactly the, yeah, the, the same. list.
2: You guys were talking about a Conan podcast before we got real started, and and Troy thought it was a Conan the Barbarian podcast, and I said, well, <laughs> that would be uh, that would be cool, but um, I would have to cut something else because I don't have the time. Well, and that's you... the same thing you said with with I just cut for a Critical Role, and or I listened to a couple, and I cut for Critical Role, and it was it was worth it to me to change some other stuff out to
3: make the time. You wouldn't have to really cut anything thomas you just would have to make the choice to not listen to critical role again
2: <laughs> there's that but i was i was to be fair i was driving there was when i was driving to cleveland i was driving on a good on a good day if i left at normal times i was in the car for five hours mm-hmm. yeah. so it's easy when you're listening to seven episodes a week not in, just in your car
1: Fairness. Okay, so we we all uh, kind of have our basis now. Um, so the the second or the third campaign launched uh, in October, and we had intentions of watching it live and all that, but we settled on what we settled on, and so now we all have this experience, and we've we we I think it would be disingenuous of us to say like here's here's how we grade. An episode of a show right like that's that's a bit of a mess especially for people who haven't followed it all um, so I don't know that we're here to grade it but I think maybe draw what we can out of it and say like here here's interesting things that we picked up on John I know you had a kind of a list of things that uh, uh, at least a short list that you were bringing up during during the episode about mm-hmm. um, the the contract that uh, mercer has between himself and his players and how mm-hmm. and how that's presented i think those are the things that are that i think we should focus on tonight Is like what are those things that we draw from an episode of critical role that is either very very different uh i think i think um mitch there in chat was talking about how you know, critical role plays a different type of D and D than we do. Um, mm. wh- why are those things different? And and is that even true? Is it is you know you can talk about that, but um, what are those differences and what are the similarities and how can we make our games better or at least you know yeah, well play around with things based off that.
3: You know, to to what Mitch is saying, To what you're saying right now, I think that's part of the issue that exists within critical role because you can't it's not just a thing it is a unique it is it's, its own it's its own thing because it is it is a show on the one hand and it is a group of people playing D&D on the other yeah. it is there, it is a show that uses the rules of D&D as a framework to present the information of the show. And to present the action. And stuff like that. So you know. The arguments of well it's not real D&D. Yes and no. It's D&D. But it's D&D being played. In a way. That normal people don't play it. Normal people don't have. An audience of thousands of people. Watching their every every move. And, and they don't have their DMs don't have a budget or a production crew, or, or anything like that behind them. So it is a show. It is an inter, It is a vehicle of entertainment for that people watch and not experience. So yeah, they're going to play it a little bit differently than what we play.
0: Yeah, I kind of liken it to, for, based on what I watched. It feels like, and I don't mean this in any derogatory sense whatsoever by the way I, uh, that it's like reality television where it's not yeah it's it's close ish or it's it's like a, it is like a a representation of reality but it's not necessarily reality right that there's there may not be a script that they're following but there's kind of like a like there's still a path that they're kind of on together, or that they've they they have agreed to play it a certain way, or to run it a certain way whenever they interact with one another at the table, whenever Matt's talking and, and things like that. And again, it's not it's not bad to your point, uh, Troy. It is still D and D, but it's just not I I've, I it's never been it's not a t- version of D and D that I've ever played or that I've ever that I've ever, ever run. And by that, I mean, like I do, the way that things kind of operate in the, the whole grand scheme of
1: the, of the show from what I gather. I do think, I do think though, that this view, this last viewing for me, interestingly enough, you would think after a hundred episodes, I would have actually thought about anything. Um, but evidently not until, until, this one. but, but I, I think I came away saying there's nothing here. That's not impossible to emulate at your table. Right. Um, Uh, you know yes they have this contract between Matt and his players where Matt's fine with taking a back seat and with giving them opportunities to step in I think a lot of DMs do that but the players also have this agreement of when it's our opportunity to do so we are going to take that opportunity as it's presented we're going to work our way through something um, within these parameters of our capacity to do so and we are going to find an exit ramp, to then hand it back off to Matt, the DM. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. That there was this exchange that came before them. Right, Matt sets the scene. The players chew the scene. Matt resets the scene. The players chew another scene. Right, and if and they don't bite, Matt moves on. Right. Yeah, and. That is that is 100% what you're saying, John, this agreement behind the scenes of that's how it's going to go. And it's in part because it's an audience, there's an audience watching and it, it needs to be uh, entertaining to that audience and give them the content that they're after. But I would also wonder if there isn't an element of... Would they do that even if their game wasn't being recorded? And I think the argument yes. maybe for them is yes, right? And I think... Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an unfair way to play d d it's not an unreasonable i mean i'm i don't have a one-to-one comparison but um, with my uh, middle earth game and now with dune you know two very epic feeling franchises right um, we leave more space for narrative and you know player speeches and 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 back and forth and uh, you know intrigue and things like that in general and less room for rolling dice and combat and all the things that one mm. typically attributes to you know rpgs so and that that's a contract it wasn't it wasn't a perfectly spelled out thing but it's one thing where we started and we said you know as it rolled out and as we pl- did our session zero and as we did our first few sessions we found that rhythm that worked for our table and it was way closer to critical role than maybe some of my play- tables have been before
0: mm-hmm.
2: the The other thing is is that at least what I see is that and I was just talking with uh, Master of Dungeons here um, that I don't seem to have that that sort of that CR the critical role film put over by my players like a lot of DMs and players have complained about but I also um, feel like I make it very obvious that there's a different, there's a different game being played. It's the, it's the same D and D. You are um, but I see a difference even like Zach's saying in his dune game and everything else. I see a difference from my convention players than I see to the people at the table. And I think that that is because when you start playing with people for a long time and critical role hasn't played as long as most of the people on critical role hasn't played D and D as long as anyone in this conversation right now. Right. I think all of Mm -hmm. us probably started playing before a lot of these guys got together for that very first home game and everything else. I know a lot of those, a Taliesin and Matt and Marisha and them had played from fourth edition and some other stuff, but a lot of the other guys, especially Travis and Laura and Ashley and things like that, weren't D&D players eight years ago or seven years ago. But what they do, what they do have is they have a set of skills that is very good and translates to a D&D show. Mm-hmm. So they have the improv and they have the, um, the storytelling. And more than anything is that they have trust in the people across the table that mm-hmm. are going to let them tell the yep. story when it's time. So, um, what I see partially in my home games and a lot at conventions is that I I sit at a table with random people at a convention and I don't trust that I'm going to get my moment in the spotlight. Mm. I don't want to step on somebody else's thing, but Mm. I also don't want to pay for a con and tickets to a game and everything else to sit there and just roll dice. Yeah. I want to play grot the goblin who can't find his spoon or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I want to have that fun. Um, I, but I, I don't trust Jim across the table to give me, when I start to talk that, that ability and everybody on critical role had, had seems like at least now has that trust at the other people at that table to say, okay, this is where you're going to shine tonight. This fits your character so much more I'm willing to say nothing for four hours because you are willing to do that. And it sounds like Zach's having that in his game and that's awesome. And, um, and that's what I see more and more as I play with a a group, a long period of time, people aren't trying to win the fight or win this or win that. And, um, or, or be the vocal party. And, um, and I, I think we can all do a level of CR at our home game if we sort of think about what is special about it. The thing that we don't have is we don't have we don't have unlimited money to put into props and sounds and audio and we also don't have unlimited hours to DM, right? Yeah. So I think Matt's a pretty good DM, but he's not the best DM, but Matt has 60 hours a week to work on his storyline. So he can have seven hundred fleshed-out characters.
0: Well, and it's like anything, right? The there are, I think there are for me at least. My analysis of it last night was the first thing that I noticed was that the unpublished contract between them. It's, uh, like we, it's not something that they've ever said in in the public before, but it is. There, there is a a there. Like Zach mentioned, there's a handoff between each of them. I'm done. And they, they give themselves only so much time to chew up a scene before they hand it off to another person. And that person is not always another player, it's or an NPC, it may just be Matt. And we're done. And then but I also watched Matt's uh, the way that he kind of operates, there's a rhythm to what the way that they that they run the game too, to where Matt will he is cognizant of when they are kind of on a roll. And then he, like, no pun intended, and then he will say, then he'll pause for, he'll say something, and then he'll pause, waiting for them to respond to it, nothing. And I'm going to move on to the next thing, and then the next thing, and next thing. So there's, like, this this organic, I say organic, it's it's more, I think it's more processed than it actually is organic. And by processed, I mean it's, like, there is a method that they're following to intentionally produce something that is entertaining as opposed for everyone else,
1: as opposed to only entertaining for them. Go ahead, Zach. Well, that that being said, I think as much as I feel like they've worked things out behind the scenes, I think that there's there's also elements that, at least in that first episode, in my opinion, limited opinion, right, limited mm-hmm. context, were rough, um, especially that first hour, um, mm-hmm. and right. I attribute that to I attribute that to um, a learning experience for me. Whether this is a learning experience for them, that's up to them. But for me, it was a learning experience of that first hour and a half where there was really no dice being rolled and also no story being told. It was really just, um, we're going to have your characters kind of poke at the scene that is presented and then move to another place in the city and poke at that scene. Um, That to me was a big learning thing because... Uh, I've been playing around with the ideas of like, what does a session zero look like, or what does that first session look like, and can you divide up that first session into multiple first sessions, with smaller pieces of the group, and can you do little one, you know, one-on-one sessions at the beginning, like different ways to establish character. I think the thing that that broadcast very loud to me was like, it's not, it's important that in the middle of setting up the campaign and setting up the story and setting up the characters, you don't lose sight of you're actually sitting down to play an adventure. Right. and there's there's there need to be some movement and some flow to that and and that really that really stuck out you well and and it's also one of the things that, that kind of that stuck with me too is like that we
0: I, we mentioned it there, at the very beginning when Matt was kind of doing his monologue uh, about like kind of like pulling everybody into the campaign not just the campaign but the campaign setting mm-hmm. also right like there was just a wall of crap that i didn't understand there's a
3: bunch of box text
0: Yeah, well, the box text is one thing, right? But there's like there are all these names and places that I've got no context on as a first time viewer. So coming in cold, coming in like campaign three, uh, episode one, like none of that meant anything to me. But it may have been like super Easter eggy for everybody else, and oh, I know exactly where that thing is, or if they did like Exandria you know the extended stuff like that may mean something to them but for me coming in cold i had no clue so a lot of it was me still trying to like i'm just <laughs> I, it's like the barest thread hanging on to where they are and what they're doing and i'm more i'm i'm more focused on just the, the immediate of what's going on and not necessarily the setting that that Matt tried to immerse them in i don't <clears throat> i
3: don't really think that first opening salvo from Matt was easter eggy Or a bunch of callbacks. Hmm. So I don't think you you missed anything. Mm -hmm. I think what that was is more like the opening crawl of Star Wars. Okay. It's, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to drop names, and I'm going to drop places, and I'm going to drop events that I've never talked about before. But they're going to come up again later in. You know, I'm just kind of setting the scene kind of a thing. And Zach said something just a little bit ago that I think is key. And he said something about... Uh, you know watching this first first episode they weren't playing an adventure they were chewing through scenery and mm-hmm. I think that's part of what Critical Role where there's a huge disconnect for some people with Critical Role because like the four of us we come from an Adventurers League background currently I mean we've played d d in other capacities before that but we you know we run a lot of Adventurers League at conventions. And that is an adventure in four hours, you have to get from point A to point B in that four hours, go. Mm-hmm. So when on critical roll. Oh, oh sorry, oh, yeah. I didn't No. On critical role, they're not running an adventure. They're playing a story. And that's a completely different style than what a lot of people are used to. So that's why you can have those you know just two characters chewing up scenery for an hour and everybody else just sits and watches cuz they're trained as actors they know how to do those handoffs and they're excited to see what those people that have the floor are going to do with their time and we don't have that in normal games because people like Thomas said they want their their time in the spotlight in that four hours They've paid for their ticket they want to do something cool they want to they want to be the the dm's focus for a few minutes like everybody else these you know the critical role group they don't have that preconceived notion if if sam doesn't say one word for the entire four hours because marisha and laura it's all about them he's happy to sit there mm-hmm. he he might do a little bit of side conversations here and there but he's paying attention to what's going on between uh marisha and laura for that time because he's their friend outside of the game and he's their fan inside the game
0: mm-hmm. and, hmm.
2: and with that like i have only ever done five like episodes or so of streamed D D. Zach and I did Dungeon, which is like a dungeon crawl of, a, of a layers of Dungeon that he wrote um, at the beginning of last year on Twitch. And even when I am not locked into those people in the room, and they have it even more, right, because they have friendships with all these people. These are their mostly their best friends at this point but also these are their business partners, they want to see them succeed, all of the above. But even when I didn't have those same background with the people that I was playing with, I paid more attention because I knew that I was putting on a show to however many people were there, whether it was no people or or we never had a ton of people. but. A couple people, they're watching me, so I don't want to be jamming my face full of chips or talking to my wife off camera or whatever it may be. Um, my goal is to give more so, and that's probably not fair, right? Because like I should be giving that same attention in my home game and everything else. We should play, like Adventures League, we should play two hours and then a scheduled break and whatever unless something's happening. But that's not how it happens. When we get together, I have my phone out because my kids sometimes call because I play on Saturday mornings or I'm waiting for a call from um, convention or whatever it may be. I am setting things up because I want to be there and I want to be around my friends, but I'm not giving the same 100% to the story and they have even more reason than I do to give 100% because it's their business and their livelihood and friends and all of the above.
0: Well, that's one of the things that we talked about a little bit, I think off show that I had brought up specifically is that I know that we're talking about like a, almost a business arrangement between entertainers, right? But I think that there's a lot to be gleaned as a player from that, not necessarily just the dungeon master. And I know we focus really heavily on DMing on the show, but I'd like right now for myself, I'd, I'd like to park on the, how To be a really effective player, not just effective player, but like to be a to there's a difference between a good player, the player that shows up on time, they are prepared, they have their dice, they've got their character sheet, they know what spells they've got, they understand those are that's a good player that I want to have at my table. The difference to me between a good player and a stellar player is the player that is engaged, that is invested in not not necessarily in my camp, my world, or like or anything like that, but they're invested in the table, this is like cre- helping create or collaborating on this on a story and, um, and a, or a scene or whatever you want to call it. It's like they're invested in it. They are engaged. They, uh, they have a, a there's, they bring it an energy to the table, their own unique energy that is theirs. They're not trying to mimic somebody else's. It's theirs, right? And they're speaking their own voice through their character. But that, that player is, Whenever a player does that, they are equal to the DM in every possible capacity, if not like stratospherically more so. The DM can then just kind of like sit back and like act as a mediator and a moderator, and then just kind of like give off the effects of what their actions do. But really, the players really own the story at that point. And for me, I would just go on cruise control as the DM and let them just chew it up as much as they want. And I would, I'd be very happy to have players like that at the table that are just super, not just invested in their character, not just in theirs, but they're invested in other people's characters and they're attentive and they're intensely listening and paying attention and, and like they're not on their phone or things like that. Like the more of that that you get that I've, those tables that I've, I've sat at where that's happened. That's where you have these really amazing moments with one another that are the things that you talk about for years after.
3: Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, when you say, you know, a good player is this and an exceptional player is this, the funny thing is the Critical Role cast really aren't in the category of good players. Mm. Because a lot of them don't know what their spells do. Yeah. I, that's a lot a of them don't know what their abilities me. do and things like that. And won't for the entirety of the campaign. Mm-hmm. But... You know, and, and uh, I think I think somebody, I think uh, Mitch brought up in the chat about um, the expectation of players, you know, that watch Critical Role and then come to d d for the first time and expect, you mm-hmm. know, Critical Role levels of game. It's like, you know what? Here's the thing. And, and this is to all players out there, whether you're brand new, whether you've been playing for 40 years, if you want Critical Role levels of DMing, then you be a Critical Role level of player amen and you do all the things that john just said you be engaged you, you you focus on what's going on you know what is happening you know you might not know the rules behind your rage mm-hmm. or you might not know how to how to shoot off a, a fireball but you know your character and you know the drives and the one thing that i've kind of settled into over the past year or so is Everybody sitting at your table or in your virtual tabletop or however you're playing the game, everybody sitting at that table, DM included, is a player. Mm -hmm. And everybody has one responsibility at that table. And that responsibility is to make sure everyone else at that table has fun and has the ability to to have a great time and to build a great story. Not you worried about your character, and that's the problem. The people that sit at your table and be like, well, you're not as good as Matt Mercer. It's like, well, yeah, you're not as good as anybody on Critical Role either. <laughs> because all you're worried about is your character mm-hmm. and what your character gets to do. As soon as the entire table gives up, and I think Critical Role does this better than anybody else that I've ever watched the people on Critical Role are more interested in the cool shit that everybody else is going to do and not their own character and that's what you need to have that kind of level of trust and storytelling and how you can let people chew the scene for an hour or two and you not say a word you have to have that desire to see what everybody else is going to do don't worry about what you're going to do you know, don't worry about, oh, I want my time in the spotlight. You'll get yours because everybody wants that for you. It's, yeah, I mean, why, that's...
0: Go ahead, go ahead.
2: Oh, it's, I was just going to say, that's why my wife watches it. My
3: mm-hmm. wife
2: doesn't watch it because she cares about spells or abilities or anything else. We have $10,000 worth of role-playing stuff in this house. And she could be in any game she wanted to. We'd get sitters. I've already offered... She doesn't care about any of every that. night. Yeah, yeah every, I just write day. notes before I go into work. I'm like,
1: well, I'll, that sitter is available this weekend. If you want, I'll run it. Uh. But just the, a calendar filled with like six different sitters, and it's like yeah, this available. is their availability. This is where they overlap. We could have two sitters, one for each kid. Um, and so
2: she doesn't care about any of that. But what she what she does love is she does love the storytelling. And the family feel of the show yeah. and the funny when it, when it needs to be funny, it's funny when it needs to be dramatic. It's dramatic. And so she does the same thing. She puts it on she works in an office and phones and she doesn't, she doesn't watch. She doesn't re listen or look go. She has never gone back and started, but she started at season two and listened through season two and, um, And we watch normally, like, the first 45 minutes together on Thursdays, and then we both listen to it in podcast form on our own. Mm -hmm. And she really enjoys it, and she gives a damn about D&D, right? Yeah. So um, it's it's funny to see that, like, it very much is a show, but it's a show because they have all those good D&D tendencies, right? The reason it's so good is the same thing he said, is that we need to be... We need to be better players if we want those kind of um, situations in our home games. We need to be better at, as a DM, letting our players take that spotlight or mm-hmm. as a player, letting, set, helping set the scene for the DM. So we are telling stories that are um, for everyone, not just
1: you or not just me or whatever it may be. I'll say, like, the last thing that I kind of pulled from it um, to kind of, you know, bolt something onto the side of what you just said um, is, you know, you said your wife doesn't really give a day of about D&D, and I'm like, that was one of the comments that I brought up during the stream, which was, I think I, again, when I was sitting there and actually, like, thinking about the show objectively, um, I realized that. There's a lot of D&D that's actually packed into that show. Um, we, You know, uh, John, you brought up Ack, Inc. before. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of d that is discarded sometimes with oh, Ack, yeah. Inc., right? Like, yeah. And I love that show. Um, it, I adore it, actually. But they they need... They, they've consistently needed a dungeon master who can bend to their shenanigans, their ignorance of the rules, their... Mm-hmm. And sometimes... And their their disregard for the rules certainly right, yeah. um, and the thing that I noticed with Critical Role was like, this is a this is a show that doesn't even have to probably play D and D anymore. I bet if they went and played Pathfinder, their audience would not leave them right, Gosh, uh, by and large. So, well, they've <laughs> done two big one shots, and or Deadwood was
2: probably one of the better eight episodes in a row or whatever it was yeah. and that wasn't D&D and then they just did a the one uh, Ashley just ran a sci-fi horror kind of feel aliens kind of one shot and that got 40,000 people watching live as well Mm -hmm. right so it's the package is is sold as D&D but you're absolutely right I think they could run a show either parallel or take some break from D&D and and do what Call of Cthulhu or whatever oh, yeah. they've done, Call of Cthulhu and things like that. And I think they would see those same kind of numbers because of the storytelling.
1: But that's that's where I'm getting at is that like they're still playing those games. And I really appreciate that. I think I think there's more there than what the average viewer or the passerby would would see initially. Like it it still warms my cockles that in season three, right? In season three. First episode, he's plopping out a gridded map mm-hmm. with minis, and they're measuring things and counting out movement. Like they don't—they arguably should not be doing that. They don't have to. They arguably should not, for a streamed show slash podcast, to be counting out movement is tedious, right? Um, but they do, and I'm like that—that's—they ah. haven't. looked well, we've, look, they haven't we've talked that about line. it.
0: Bef- we've, we've talked about it before about how and it's this is conjecture admittedly but how like the state of the game and the direction that the game seems to be veering towards is more of like a almost more theater of the mind and more of a internally cinematic experience as opposed to more tactical. And so in the like to your point in the first session they're still going to the tactical. They've still got minis and positioning and grids and they're like you said they're counting things out. So it is interesting to me to see and I'm, I'm grateful for that. By the way, there are some things, it's it's part of the, you know, the genesis of D&D, of that tactical play, that's still honored, utilized at the table there,
1: as opposed to just being, you know, just one really long improv session with one another. It made me realize maybe that, like, I kind of had this, like, idea in my head, and it wasn't based on any fact necessarily, but I had in my head that, like, all the newer wave of players, you know, the... They, they they really cared that much about tactics and grids and whatnot they just mm. want to tell a story I'm like I'm not sure that's true I think maybe they want the whole package they just you know want it in a different ratio than than we've come to expect but they're not abandoning that um, and I think that that's if I actually when I thought about it I'm like I think that holds true at convention play at least when I mm. run for younger the younger audience or the audience that's fret with coming in with fresher eyes, They love the throw out of throw throughout the minis and, yeah. and the terrain and all that just as much as the older crowd does, the more experienced crowd does. Um, I don't think that we're losing that. I think it, you know, in today's age where you can find a group online easier than you can find a group in person. It's harder to do that. Mm-hmm. It's more of a challenge, but I don't think that the desire has, Seeped away. Well, I've seen the same, a similar
0: thing that you've seen with new players, both in person and online. There's like, they get, they're relieved. The ones that I've run for, they're relieved whenever a grid comes out, when a map comes out, and there's something for them to actually look at, like that's kinetic. There's some, there's a a touch and a texture to it. There's so that there's more grounded in the real. It kind of creates that bridge of the theater of the mind with with what they actually can can see with their own eyes. And so between being relieved and that's whenever they kind of like all of the, they all sit up and they all their body they shift and they be, you can see them lean forward and they become more interested in what's going on whenever those those physical things come into play and not just like handouts, right? Cuz you see a difference between well, here's a scroll that I spent two hours aging and printing off and doing all this other stuff, this handout that I'm handing over. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then they kind of like, Oh, wow, you did a really great job on that. And they're done. As opposed to here's a map that I put together and here are minis. And they're like, everyone leans forward leans a little bit closer and they get a little bit more into the story whenever they can actually kind of see things unfold in front of their eyes.
3: Well, yeah, Hmm. because what is that scroll really doing? It might be immersion. It might help you help pull you into the story some more, but, there's nothing else to do with it. Sure,
0: they
2: they showed that okay, in the cool. very first episode. They gave Laura um, this the note that she wasn't able mm-hmm. to study at the Maybe. library was on a on a like a physical prop that she opened yeah. up and and read. Um, the other um, the other part of that is I think you see that on both sides, right? Um, we tried playing. My group tried playing um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And Mm. got done after three levels. Mm. We loved the group. We loved our characters. They just had no interest in... They went out of Skullport and never came back. (laughs) They had no interest in in turn a corner, fight, turn a corner, say two words and fight, turn a corner, fight, turn a corner, search, turn a corner, fight.
0: I think there's a difference between... like. That's a slog, though. No, and that's what I'm saying.
2: I'm not; they're not also not interested in. Hey, why aren't we having any fights? Right? None of my players want to come to the table every Sunday, and talk with NPCs week after week after Mm -hmm. week. If that means there's no fighting in one, one seven o'clock, or one seven-hour game or something like that, or six whatever we play, it's not the end of the world. But if I don't give combat in the next game, people are going to be like, hey, what's going on mm. here? So I think mm. we see we see people who are used to um, playing, just like we see in any part of your day or any part of your hobby or any part of your life, you see people who are used to an older way, which is hey, I would like to see it. When d d started, it was basically a combat scenario kind of feel mm. that Dungeon and the Mad Mage go in and see if we can survive, kind of feel, and they're so afraid of hearing that, um, that they that we're going to role play and we're focusing on role play players and things like that, and the opposite is true about the younger people coming in too, and I've had people in my store because I am, I use Critical Role maybe a little differently than some, but I use Critical ro- Role as almost a old fashioned. Radio story, right? So that's sort of what I treat Critical Role as, and I find out I find that I enjoy combat, but I find that in Critical Role, I I am a lot less invested during a combat.
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Right. I don't care as much when they're fighting. I want to hear about the new monsters. I want to hear about what's going on. And I do I do enjoy listening to them play, but I will leave my phone running at my desk and go use the bathroom or anything else. I don't have to <laughs> pause and worry about missing 30 seconds or go grab a water or whatever it is. If I'm listening to story, I normally don't do that. I normally don't walk away from the storyline because things are changing. Right. I know enough about what, how barbarians work or how at Sorcerers or whatever it may be, that I don't have to hear them cast Chaos Bolt or whatever it may be. I do want to know when when, when they're going across the cable car and he's explaining the land situation and everything else, what that looks like. Because so um, I think that I have said to people in my store, and if you have met to the point, of like, hey, I, I actually fall on the other side is that I, I get upset when there's too much combat. This the the end of campaigns when there was five and seven hour fights. At some point, you're just like, okay, do I? I don't really care about this fight anymore. <laughs> I want to get the thirty minutes drama, thirty minutes of drama in the front, and thirty minutes of drama in the back. And I want forty five minutes of combat. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, people look at me, these young guys. They're like, well, then how can I do my cool things? Can I, so I think that I think that both sides sort of look at this as a, as a mix that, um, that I don't think D and D is ever going to go away from a combat-based game, but I also don't think that anybody is interested anymore, or most people are not interested anymore in a, hey, I'm going to sit down and we're going to fight through this dungeon for hours.
0: Well, well yeah. how many times have you all as AL DMs, right? How many times have you been at a table? And one of the compliments that you've gotten was, you know what I really liked about that adventure? It was it was really well balanced. I I like the fact that there was some role playing and there was some tactical stuff. We got to fight some stuff and we got to talk to some people. They they want the balance. Like people, to your point, like if you do one full RP session for your home group, even your home group, the next time around is like, are we gonna? a fight anything? Are we like, is, do you not have like a board or something for us to Jenga at some point here? Because that, that's a thing that needs to happen. And you get that in, in public play. I get that all the time. I don't know. Do you guys do, you, do you all get the same thing from your players? In 100%. public
3: play in public play? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you want that balance in, in home play. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily. They're upset if we have, a session of all role play, and then the next one, oh, we're upset because we're gonna have another session of all role play. It's like, you know, the the story goes where the story goes. If if mm-hmm. you guys want to attack the king because you're talking to him because you didn't get to fight anything last night or last time, <laughs> you can go right ahead, and, I'm, and and we'll stomp you. But what? That's fine. Um, I There's- think I think one of the things that people I get frustrated with is the idea that the only cool things your character can do is on your character sheet Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's only the ability that was the problem with me for fourth edition because i was stuck so much on what those powers said because they put so much into the powers and, and like flavor text and all this stuff so it's like well i want to use this ability but it the situation doesn't resemble the little piece of flavor text at the bottom, so I can't really well, do it. Well, and not
0: only that, but it was incredibly explicit in 4th edition about this is exactly what it does, mm-hmm. period. There's no room for flex in that. And to yeah. your point, yeah. you're not you're not alone. Every, like I kind of even begin to tell you how many... One of the things I've seen is, a, I wouldn't say a cardinal sin, but I think it's something that players that have been playing D&D for a while fall into is that they depend so much on their character sheet to tell them what they can do, Yep. as opposed to them kind of like... Kind of like New players will say, hey, can I do this? Yes, yes. you can do that, absolutely. Whereas a player, a, a more vetted player, will look at the character sheet, and that's like, well, that's not...
1: That's that being said, I I'm thing, not right? good
2: at that, so I'm not going to make that charisma check. Or exactly. Yeah.
1: That being said, I think that there's a variety of players, too. It's not just experience level it's also True. just like what a player wants out of the game uh, i'll be the first to say that like when i play D, as opposed to other rpgs i mm. want combat i i am happy to do a role play session i like the rp aspects i like storytelling i like all of that but especially when i play uh, as a player i want combat to be a mm. part of it. Um, and a big part of that is because I do have a character sheet and because I I, I selected to play this system because I like the way that the mechanics work mm-hmm. um, and the mechanics are for a player the things on the character sheet um, so there and, and I have I think the thing in my my home games especially like you come to learn that there are certain players that could play role play sessions every every session for It'd never roll a dice again, probably, and they'd be super happy. And then there are players who need to combat every single session. And um, I think those are rare, though. I think those two are the end of the spectrum, and they're rare. They can be, but then there. But there's, there's always a a um, a mixture of skewing one way and skewing the other in most games. Right? There's. It's rare that you have a whole crew that skews towards. Um, combat or a whole crew that skews towards loving the roleplay uh, does happen, but that's a rarity. So, <clears throat> is there anything else that we need to cover, fellas? I know we're we're pushing up on a late episode, a long episode tonight. Uh, anything else I'll, that you you drew out?
2: I'll just say there's a there was a couple of things talked about in chat that I took a little notes here. Is that I. Um, before we do our rating system, because there's something I want to talk about in the how we felt after this episode. But when we said it's, it feels more like a business, and I, I don't feel that way as much, right? Because yes, they are pushing their business stuff in the beginning, and it's a lot more prevalent because there's a lot. Their business has grown, so there's a lot more things to push. But I don't. Th- I think that what did it for me to show that it's not it's more about them playing a game is the fact that it seems like every season characters get crazier not just with sam but with everybody mostly just to mess with their friends and if it was a business you're going to take more more easy approach in my opinion and so i felt i felt like in the beginning of this session that it wasn't, some of these things weren't serious enough. And part of that was Mm -hmm. using these, reusing some of these characters that have been on Exandria United and, um, Travis's character who was for a one shot. Yeah. I was, I was let down when half the cast were people that I already saw after waiting for three months for new characters. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm.
3: I, uh, I, to me, it's not. It's more businessy. It's campaign one. The whole the whole way through felt like here is a group of people playing D and D that are very skilled in what they do, and they and mm-hmm. and their occupations, you know, have a chance to shine in this in this spotlight here. And so we're getting to see a, a new and different thing, but it's it's a group of friends playing this game, and we get to watch. And it's a very awesome story. It's very intricate. It's very involved, and it's really cool. Campaign two for me, was, it wasn't so much businessy. It was they realized they had a show, and I I would get frustrated during certain episodes because it's like. Okay. For whatever reason, the people the, the the cast has more of a desire to let's put on a fun episode for the people that's watching and not let's play this game as friends and play out this cool story. And I'm hoping in campaign 3 they go back to the season 1 style of hey, forget that you've got a million people watching you right now just play the game and tell the story that you guys are doing because i don't i don't like it so much when it's oh let's let's try to be funny right now for the fans watching hey let's try to do this for the people watching that's where to me that's where you're losing where it loses some of the 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 spark well my guess is they the old adage you
0: can't capture lightning in a bottle you know it sounds like to me as someone who has not seen any of that for me I, I immediately see the production of it and the synthesis of a, of a game as opposed to the organic growth the, just like the outflow of a game just happening with with people that are really friend that know one another and they're comfortable with one another close to one another they know you know they they kind of like their play styles and stuff like that so I could see it being synthesized outside of just like the production values right because they got a really sweet rig and setup up and lights and all that good stuff that's that's one thing but even still just the way that it kind of played out felt that's why I, I used the term of reality television if it, it is synthesized reality it's not I'm, I'm not gonna go so far as to say that it was scripted but I do think that there are probably like some beats and elements that are probably like hey there's something that's gonna come up that's gonna be like this. They may not say, Matt may not say exactly what it is, or maybe it is more organic than that. I'm not entirely sure. But it does, If there, it felt like it kind of, there were like predetermined a path, if not rails, that the thing was going to end up flowing on. It just felt like that, the way that it, the way that it operated. And I don't begrudge that. As someone that's coming in fresh, I didn't experience that, like, that homebrew feel of season, of a campaign one, or the shift into, to me, that's just like, that's what I've, this, this is what I know. And to me, it's like, I, it is what it is. It's supposed to be entertainment. And so this is them th- there. This is their attempt to uh, appeal to a broader audience yeah. in entertainment, I guess. Yeah. You know? yeah. I will say I, this though. They're willing to take risks though. I mean, like one of the, to me, a risk is if you drop F-bombs and like a lot of them in, in a stream, that to me diminishes your, your, your possible audience. Impact like who 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 is going to to listen or view, and who's going to be comfortable allowing their kids to view it or things like that too. So that was that was surprising to me. Some of the language they, that was used there. I'm not being approved about it. I'm just yeah, really they've surprised.
2: They've done that since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it is. I it felt like there was more of that this week. Mm-hmm. Because of this this season, but even even without Talisa, it just felt like the overall the overall feel was. From teen... From... It, it's not R, but... it From teen to... 18, 17, 18... Whatever, it took that next half a step up or whatever, in my opinion. But it's always been ever since even season one, when they first were on the thing, they were... It was still making dick jokes and and F-bombs and all of that. And they've never sort of built themselves out as a a kid's program. But I... I noticed the same thing, John, when I listened this week as sort of, I'm like, well, we are sort of just pushing that line a little bit. And it wasn't, it wasn't a push just for dramatic reason. It was just a push Mm -hmm. and like, I don't mind. And I'm not a prude. I, I swear more than most people. And, um, and it still felt like I noticed it. So,
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed it very much and that's why I say it because of Talison, because last mm-hmm. campaign both of his characters it would have been very out of character for him to drop F-bombs left and right and now the yeah. character he currently is playing, this Ashton I almost feel like he's of a mind that oh no, this, this guy is really rough and rugged and swears a lot and it doesn't to me, the swearing did not feel natural. It's one thing when you're dropping F bombs and it and it just kinda like flows. It's another when it feels like, oh, I should put an F bomb here.
2: It was like Sam's joke of the name the names of his the robots and oh, yeah. like yeah. that felt like it flowed, right? Like that's not something I'm gonna say around my children, but it felt like it flowed mm-hmm. in the moment so um, it was
3: it was a very quick and throwaway kind of
2: yeah but it wasn't a it wasn't jarring right like i was listening while i was doing some work the other night and i i heard the laugh track and had to mm. go back because i didn't catch it at first not oh. the laughter but i heard people, I <laughs> the laughter that. um but just everybody there laughing in the studio and um, had to rewind. I'm like, well, if everybody's dying laughing, I obviously missed a joke mm-hmm. and I had to go back. So it felt very normal as I'm listening. Um, and that's that's part of it, right? Like if I thought that this was, if this was focused on business, they would be, in they my were, opinion, it's just, yeah. they, they it would be cleaning it up They've already said that their animated series is going to be rated R. Mm-hmm. Um, they are trying to say that, like, hey, we want you to be here, but this isn't a, this isn't something like I don't, we don't show any critical role in our store. But it would be if there wasn't the swearing, it would be the perfect product. Yeah, because it does do a very good job of showing off and
1: selling selling D and D stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anything else for you, fine folks, fine gentlemen? Well,
3: did did we did we ever say did we ever finish off Thomas's thing and say yeah, I where, think, where we are after the episode,
1: I think that's I think that's what we should do in closing. So okay, um, you know, did did that did this episode move the needle um, on your? on your critical role fandom, or is the needle move just in general for you since the last time that you picked it up, if it's been a while or whatnot? I'll start since since we, and we'll just work our way in reverse from the time we did before. Um, Like, I think I'm on the downhill trajectory. Um, It's not critical role's fault. I think for me, um, campaign two was long-winded and it came at a perfect time the long-windedness came at a perfect time for me to bail um for for too much too little time in in a in a week to to make time for that so uh nothing from this particular episode of campaign three uh got my interest enough for me to recommit not to say it won't ever happen though Uh, i'd say i'm probably still i mean still at that four and a half area but that's probably trending down Okay, so that's for me then. So then,
0: uh, for me, and man, um, I'm still a two or a three. I'm pretty indifferent about it. Still, I'm not like upset, but I'm just like I still haven't figured out what it is that everybody else loves about the show so much. Why there are, like why there are critters? People are just rabid fan base for the show, and it's not. It, I don't. It's not a slight. I just don't understand it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish out the rest of the episode. That's my, my first commitment. As I committed to watching one full episode. I'm going to do that because I promised I would. But I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to watch the second episode because I really do want to understand why. If, I may not love it, but I, I, do, I want to have a better finger on the pulse of that community and understand what they love about it so much. Um, and I may not get it. So just Whoa. let it so that everyone knows I did give it the old college try to try to like it.
3: Well, but, but here's here's a, you know, to address that. Mm hmm. Why is there a fan base around Dragonlance?
0: Because it's the greatest. Th- Look, man, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me because it's the greatest thing that's ever been written. I'm sure. Why,
3: why is there a fan base around the, the Twilight series?
0: Sure. Know? But again, I like. But. It- Sure, I, but at the, I, at the same and time, and one. To one. There's yeah, but you're talking there, about a lot of crossover there. There's a lot you know, of crossover there. In there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but remember, but in Probably critical is. role, it is it is heavily. I believe it heavily influences the hobby. And it heavily influences who who yeah. we're bringing in. It yep. influences what their expectation is when they they come in. And I want to I want to play with new players. I don't want mm. to just play with people that have played for millions of years, like us old grognards. I want I want to play with those new players, but I I want to understand what their expectations are and why they love this medium so much, right? It's I I'm I don't have to love it, but if I if no. I got a little bit closer to understanding it, I'd be satisfied with that. So I'm willing to go I'm willing to go the extra mile. I'm going to go another four hours on top of the four hour commitment that I promised to. So. Right and I'm and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow suit with Thomas and Troy. And I'm going to listen rather than try to watch. There you go. And we'll see if that makes a difference or not.
3: One of, one of the things I do uh, is I, I like to listen, but if something cool happens, in the, and you can tell when he brings out a set piece or something like that and they all go nuts over it, then I'll be like, okay, I'll go back when I get home and I will pull up the video and I will find that spot so I can see what they're looking at. Because mm. everything mm. else you don't need to see because it's just them sitting around the table talking and you don't need to watch them or Mm -hmm. if they laugh at something you know if if there's something that i catch i will go back and try to you know try to try to watch those those sections but and i also kind of think you know yeah i i applaud you for for like you know wanting to figure out what it is that people want but the thing with critical role is it's so many different things to so many different people sure um Honestly, it it's just, it's D and D that I have access to all the time. Mm. I can just listen and have D and D going on when I'm driving, and that's why mm. I listen to other podcasts and stuff like that too. It's just another way that I can get a dose of D and D in my life when I during times that I usually can't. Um, I'm still a fan. I'm still. I'm gonna still hover right there between six and seven for right now, until the campaign progresses. I'll be listening and watching this one too. Um, I actually came to Critical Role late. I didn't start it until the very end of season one, Mm, and the only and I was the I was John. I was John before. It's like why do I want to watch people play D and D? That's stupid. I don't want anything to do that. A lot of people do it. It's just dumb. And then the acquisition Zinc. I would watch a few of those with some friends. I went to the theater and saw the one they did in the theater. Mm-hmm. and It was like, because that is just gonzo, bizarro, jokey D and D. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a, a hoot. And then I was watching our patron St. Matt Colville mm-hmm. discuss what happened in episode 118 or 114, whichever it was when they were fighting, the Big Bad and the Counterspell. And I'm like, well, what is he talking? You know, why is he making a video about this? Why is Matt Colville making a video about this? And I watched it in the emotions that went through everything. And Colville got choked up as he was talking about it. And I'm like, oh, wow, there must be something to this. I watched that full episode. And I'm like, you know what? I need to see the story behind this. And that's when I started episode one of can- of season one. and went through. Okay, so I'm still, That's fan. probably
0: the, that's probably the only the only video of Colville's that I haven't watched. It's like, oh, this is a campaign. That's, this is like a critical role specific one. I'm really not interested and, in that. That's cool. And this is. <laughs> I'm gonna have well, to go back and watch that one yes, I yes, will, too. <laughs> I will, I will send you awesome.
2: the link to that YouTube video where they with that fi- with the ten minute video with that fight and the counterspell because it is it shows that there is these players are not here for, at least at that time, and again, I can't speak for what they're doing or why they're doing it now, but at that time, it showed that there is a connection There's to love. D&D and the story, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. it's not people making money on a stream, it was people playing a game where they were connected yeah. to the point where they couldn't handle it.
0: it well, was, and I hope and for them that awesome. they, don't, they don't fall out of love with it, you know? 'Cause anything yeah. that you do that could become a job, I could I I would fear that I wouldn't love it the same way anymore because I would associate it with work or with you know, putting bread on the table and that puts a like that puts strain and stress on it and it has like you have to perform and it can't be this organic thing that you do, so if that look, if it's the case that they they're kind of falling prey to the demands of it being a show and it, and people are watching and they have to produce something as opposed to being able to sit down and just play games i would really hate that for them i really would i would, I would i'd be i'd be pretty sad if that were the case and mm-hmm. i hope that to your point i hope that if if I've, see campaign one was the true form mm-hmm. for whatever whatever that means right that Yeah, I hope that there is a, re- a return to form and that they can actually just enjoy themselves and just play the game with one another. Watch, that I, I, I,
3: I, yeah. watch yeah. the Coville video because okay. he breaks it down. Because if you just watch the fight scene, if because I missed it. You missed it. Me too. If you he breaks it down, he's like, okay, if you see right here, so-and-so does this and here's what he said and here's mm-hmm. why. Because there's some like, you know, at the table. Table talk. Yeah. and you're not hearing it very well because Matt is doing his thing and other people are taking their turns and it's a big bombastic combat and it's like watch his eyes, watch what he does here he puts his head yeah. in his hands why does he do that? why is he looking at Matt? why is he starting to cry? Mm-hmm. and it's like, what the hell is he talking about? and so, watching that whole video of him explaining it and then he shows the clip at the end I was like I was choked up, and I'd never (laughs) seen Critical Role before. And I'm like, "Done. I'm in. I gotta watch this."
0: That's almost at this point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back, and I'm gonna watch that video that I kind of like. I swiped against right, and we'll see. We'll see if it has the same effect. That is almost exactly
2: the same um, reason I got into it, but from a different angle. I watched. You talked about the forced gray, Mm -hmm. or the forced gray that Matt Mercer did as a like D&D live kind of feel with um, Storm King's Thunder and then um, Tomb of Annihilation. When I was starting to run for my store, those were, the, that I was coming into the store D&D at the same, Adventure League at the same time as those were on YouTube. So I found, I didn't know anything about Matt Mercer but I found Matt Mercer through through Force Grey and I watched the first one and the second. and the the first one had already been out for six months or whatever it was. And the Tomb of Annihilation one was coming up. And I'm like, hey, I know some of those people. I've I've played paintball with that Cole Sprouse. I know um uh, from the movies and everything else and and the other guys that are sitting around that table are all relatively um, Deborah Debra and Wolves from Daredevil. Like I get all those names, right? Mm-hmm but I don't know who Matt is and I'm like oh this is fun he's he's pretty good at this like I like playing and Matt's pretty good at this I wonder what else he's done and I started searching and I it was the week of 113 so I am I I look up um I look up Critical Role because of course I do research on Matt and I find Critical Role and 113 was just live on on YouTube. And so I go and watch that video which is the most recent thing that he's done and then I'm like, so when do we get 114? Cuz they're stopping right before that big slog of a battle. Yeah. And I then wait till it comes on YouTube the next time cuz I never used Twitch at that point or anything else. And I watched 114 and then 115 and 115 I've watched 10 hours of of gameplay at this point and Five of those were combat and one fifteen I cried more than once. Yep. It was one of probably five times that I've cried since then. Like I'm not a big, like, emotional crier kind of person, and I am now crying over a YouTube video that I know not much about, right? Yes. And I'm like, this is what I have to go back. So in between season one and season two, I listened to almost the entire the six weeks or eight weeks that they took off, I listened to almost the entire season one Hmm. because I was working, I was um, painting and working an overnight job where I listened to headphones constantly. Um, And that's when I knew that, um, that it was more than just a game for them, that it was this connection. And I don't think, and John said, you wouldn't want that to, to change for them. And I don't think it has. And I think that's, part of the reason they continue to have the adult language and have the dick jokes and have the, um, all the, the inside jokes and everything else, instead of picking merchandise, I mean, instead of making easy options and safe options and where I do think that it's become more of a show than D and D is, is combat when they, I think they, I think things are, dumbed down to save IPs at times. Meaning that I think combat is easier and I think Matt could do a better job of making combat truer to form if this was a game at a table and you're not going to kill off a million dollar
3: idea. That is a bit. But he is not afraid of putting some smackdown sometimes. I mean...
2: yeah, you know. I I think he has found a way to soften it enough that it looks like real combat, but but it is mostly pretty safe, yeah. yeah and I so. um, which is the opposite of Zach's games, where it looks like real D anD D, but it's mostly just death. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: so, fair. That is so. So fair. Uh,
2: I had to get that in there after everyone was talking in the chat. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, but <laughs> yeah, Troy, you never gave it. another po- number where you're at now.
3: Oh no, I did. I said I'm still probably oh, like that six or seven. I just I need to see where this campaign's going go to go. If I if I go up a little bit ways or down i mean i enjoyed season two or campaign two um the the the, most of the a lot some of the characters just really graded on me right from the beginning and it went all the way through but um i will tell you this for john that if you if you go back if you watch that colville video and you just do decide to go back and try you know to watch season one keep your eye on Sam because it seems like 9 times out of 10 if there's something that's going to hit you in the feels it's coming from Sam.
2: Well, cool. okay. Sam is a I mean Sam is the most professional um um what's the word I'm looking for the um, just going off the top of your cuff what's the name of that for improv improvisationist. Improv. Yeah, yeah, I mean he did he did improv theater for years before before um, doing some voice actor stuff and things like that too, so he—that's uh, his entire career, not entire, but that's a huge part
3: of his background. That's huge. So
2: he is really good at tying people's stories from one side to the
3: other. Yeah, uh, yeah. He—he—he—he he, he, he comes off like, oh, this guy is just the absolute chaos jokester mm-hmm. at the table, but he will do things that is just. Watch the Colville video, and then watch Critical Role, What's My Mother's Name.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. And um, it's funny that everybody is is about the same level of um, like score. Like season 3 didn't change anything for anybody. John in yeah. still indifferent, and, and Zach is about where he left when we talked at the end. Well, that, of his-
3: f- that first episode was – I mean – i appreciate the staggered introduction to the characters um i think that's probably where like any any scripting would have been done is like okay i'm bringing you two in first then i'm going to bring you in then i'm going to bring you in that kind of thing I, I
2: don't even think that felt that way just because of the fact that people seem to be like not ready to get back up and leave the table when they did but yeah um that being said uh I start all my campaigns that way, so it didn't feel
3: weird to me. Yeah, it didn't feel weird. It just felt... It's one thing if you're sitting at the table going through it. It's another thing if you're sitting there watching it or if you're the person sitting in the hallway, like what John said, for an hour and a half while the rest of the people get to do something. Mm -hmm. But that's for our style of games. These people are all about that kind of thing because Mm -hmm. the whole time Travis is is standing off camera watching his friends shine, and that excites him. They're telling a 500-hour story, not a five-hour story. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. And so for me, I am... My overall outlook of Critical Role hasn't changed yet. But I would go from, like, an eight-and-a-half to, like, a five on this season. Mm. To start out, yeah. Did you I watch the am, second episode yet? No. I have watched okay. the the first episode pretty much twice now. Okay. And um, for me, the character, the as I said, I was I was unbelievably disappointed that half the cast is is a refill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand. And I haven't watched all of *Exandria United*, so maybe that will change my feeling on that. And I said, I'm not ch- I'm not overall changing my score on Critical Role as a whole, but um, it just feels like. The players now are picking characters to sort of say, "How can I make my friends laugh and joke and everything else?" And where people, um, in the very beginning, I told uh, Kill a lot that I would, um, I would tell him why I don't think it's more of a business choice than anything else, but I would like it to be more business because I want sort of that this the radio theater feel and what season 1 or what episode 1 felt like well a lot of the time was i'm sam i'm going to make this character that's going to make everybody laugh and the reason my name is the way it is is because i'm waiting for this punchline to come uh-huh. and everything else right it's more of a goofy thing not a drama that i'm wanting to listen to and the same with um the same with travis coming back as this 85 year old human and things like that right um i will put it out there that i think travis's character is just a a npc that he's playing uh he's level five everyone else is level three my guess is that he is a a throwaway character until they get to whatever backstory stop that he is the character that he wants to play yeah i agree but um but and like Robbie is an adi- addition that is not gonna stick around. It's only gonna be the seven of them again at some point.
3: But it's just I heard he was there for the whole season. I've heard nothing but the opposite. Okay, that's good. Because but that is, that is the one thing I'll, about this show that's rough, is like there are a lot of people already. Yeah, so
2: that that was my thing, is I don't I don't dislike Robbie as a player or an individual, but I do I already dislike... I, combat is already the reason why I don't listen as t- intently. Now you go from six players at times to seven players, seven players to eight players, and now you're like, okay, now every combat is two and a half hours. Um, that being said, um, I, I am going to be excited to listen to episodes two and three like I always am. Um, but... But I am, um, I am, I am. I am more frustrated that it is. It wasn't more of a business decision, right? Like the swearing caught me off guard, and I've watched a thousand hours of Mm -hmm. content already. Um, The the characters that were the same or anything else caught me off guard. The the um certain characters and the way they approach them as sort of a laughable make fun of my buddies i'm doing this because we're yeah. here kind of thing not as a drama and again i'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing it that way i'm just saying it that for me as a consumer of the media right i want i want a drama i want a story and again i'm sure they're going to get there I, there's no there's nothing that would stop me from watching the first 20 episodes probably or listening to the first 20 episodes and committing 80 hours of my life to trying to see if this is something that I want to do. but um, but yeah, I am I was I was disappointed and it wasn't the the, the skewed start, but it, I was disappointed in the first episode and I will be interested to see where that goes. I did like, I did love the setting that Matt portrayed. Yeah. So yeah. that's a whole different thing, and I know we don't have a ton of time for that, but but it did go very, um, the character choices were strange. It seemed like a, it was very lopsided party, and mm-hmm. it seemed like a lot of this was LOLs instead of trying to tell a story. It was more of a friends joking around at a one-shot than it was... Yeah, let's let's um,
3: make up weird characters.
2: Let's make up weird characters and again, I don't I don't know what half of these characters are or subclasses or anything else truly are yet. So,
3: hmm.
2: we'll see. I am I'm still super excited for it. I will as I said, I'll watch a bunch of it, but oh, I yeah. am I am interested to see where this where this goes and I can't believe how good their stats are because I don't think I've ever rolled stats anywhere close to what Every single one of these
3: players is playing. I think they need to release Critical Role character creation dice. Yeah, Cause, 100%, like, because 100%. Damn. my I get like point by if
2: lucky stats. Yeah, if lucky. And they get like the average one in here is like 15s, 14s, and 13s, and I'm just like, I have no clue what is going on here. But my four d six drop the lowest is is not these numbers.
1: Yeah. Well, fellas, I think that's gonna do it uh, for this episode. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, appreciate all of chat. We, I, I'm not even gonna try to attempt to call everyone out by name. We call, did that at the beginning um, and and throughout where we could. Um, but we had a great chat tonight. Appreciate you all hanging in there. Yes, indeed. Um, we've got some cool guests on the horizon. Some regular episodes on the horizon. Um, lot in store if you uh have thoughts about this episode or any other you can head over to our facebook page and drop us a comment or a message you can also head over to our discord which is alive and kicking um and uh chat with us there we'd love to uh love to uh have a good discussion um you can find that information and more uh, in the show notes if you're listening on a podcast if you're listening live you can always hit us up and we'll, we'll get you the links uh fellas thanks again uh And until next week, we'll see you next time.
3: Have a great game, everybody. And is it Tuesday yet?
1: (laughs) Everybody stay safe out there.
0: Sorry, Matt. I had to.